and welcome to the 97th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And tonight we are here to review the debut of Olivia Wilde as a director. And boy, is it one that we are excited to talk about. Booksmart is here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk this one. This is uh, this is this is going to be a fun one. So my name is Cameron Sanina. I am joined by Jake Brown tonight. Hello. Very excited to talk about this film. Yeah, very, very, uh, well, we'll get into it later. Uh, first off, we got a couple things that we got to get to. Oh, also, 97 episodes, like, that's insane to me. I just, as I was saying that just now, I was like, we're three away from 100. That's crazy. We've I can't been doing believe this. it, man. We've been doing this for over two years now. That blows my mind. That's crazy. It's And it all started and still is just an excuse for our wives to let us see and talk about movies it so, is 100 percent. yeah to um, the real heroes our wives for putting up with this nonsense yeah special thanks to the wives and the moms of the wives and the and troops the, the moms of the troops the real moms heroes. of the troops real heroes um as you know it wouldn't be a popcorn optional episode if we didn't reference the office or parks and rec in some form so yeah. Um, all right, a couple, couple things to get to before we get to our review of Booksmart, though. Last week, we had some technical difficulties, and because of that, we recorded a segment for Honorable Mentions, the 24th class, that um, we had some mic issues on, and we just never were able to make it work. And so we're just going to go ahead and announce who was in the 24th class. There was um, very little debate on all three of these people. It's our first law firm class, uh, as I like to call it. They've got a, the three of them have a great <laughs> law firm name. It's Johnson, Johnson, and John. And that would be none other than uh, Jake nominated Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he was accepted. Uh, Trevor nominated Ryan Johnson, and I nominated John Williams. All three were pretty uh, unanimous put-ins. I think there was a little bit of debate over Dwayne The Rock Johnson just because of some of his recent films, but... I mean, let's face it. Nobody would ever see San Andreas if it wasn't for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He has more fresh-rated films in the last 20 years than Will Smith does. So, boom. You mean one? Exactly. That's all you need, right? Isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I would. I mean, there's a lot of people that have more fresh films than that. Blew my mind when I actually like. So after Jake texted me and Trevor this week and you know said that fact. And that blew my mind. But if you go back and look at Will Smith's fresh films on Rotten Tomatoes, it's rough. Oh, yeah. It is a lot of bad career choices, but somehow the charisma just keeps those checks rolling in, man. And that's the thing is, like, I'll still go see movies with him in it. Like, there, I'm that's not going to stop me. He's still a bankable star. He's still Will Smith. Like, there's nobody like him, really, I'd say. Yeah, but um, you know what you know what you're getting now, and it's not you good. You do. Yeah, the last time that he had a certified fresh film was in 1997 with Men in Black. Wow. Yeah. He's had some fresh films since then, um, but they're all kind of lower. You know, Enemy of the State was at 71. Ali's at 67. Hitch is at 68. I will say, Men in Black 3 is better than the critics said it was. Okay, so I was trying to remember this the other day, because I think that you and me went to go see that in college, and I thought that we were both pretty positive on that walking out of the theater. I I think because I went in with such low expectations that I was like, that was moderately enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, it, whenever you're putting out a third film that many years later, that feels such like a money grab. It was. I think it was, but it's like <laughs> it was pretty entertaining. Like I thought, Josh yeah. Brolin did a great job. Jermaine Clement's yeah. in it. Like that's. But I mean, if you look at la- like the last couple years, you have Focus, Concussion, Suicide Squad, and Collateral Beauty. All of okay, so Will Smith and I feel like John Krasinski kind of have the same problem. Where like you read the script and you look who's attached to the film, and you're like, this is a no brainer. I'm going to say yes, this is going to be a win. And then somehow, like, I don't know if it's like the studio gets too involved or like something just kind of falls through in translation, but the film is never good. And I feel like John Krasinski and Will Smith both have that curse right now. Yes. And that's why Will, that's why John Krasinski was like, you know what? I'm just going to direct. Yeah. (laughs) And it worked. Yep. Oh, and Bright too, which was atrocious. But here's the thing. So of those movies I just listed, I've seen, I never saw Collateral Beauty. But I saw Concussion, Suicide Squad, Focus, and Bright. And I can say definitively, Will Smith is not the problem with any of those three films. Yeah. No, he, or four films. He's, Will Smith is great. He just picks the wrong project. Right. Yeah. So... Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ryan Johnson, and John Williams with a 24th class of honorable mention, honorable mentions. I'm even forgetting what they're titled now. Uh, the <laughs> law firm of Johnson, Johnson, and Johnson brings in the fourth or 24th class of honorable mentions. And then uh, Jake has a new segment for us to do. Yeah, I wish I wish Trevor was here. I feel like tonight is like Trevor's night, and Trevor's not here because he and Sarah awesomely bought a house, and that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. But now. He- but now he has all the dad projects in the world to do. So yes. have fun with that, Trevor. We miss you. But, I, you know, I was just kind of thinking today, like, when is the last good, like, cable television series that really captured my attention, your attention, kind of like our group's attention? I think TV in general is kind of a a place, like, we're simultaneously in the golden age of television, but also I think that, like, television is kind of dying and yeah. going more towards like mini series. Um, yeah. I think that people are and, starting to realize like there's great attributes to movies, but a 20 episode season is just way too long. Yes. And but I you would know say who hasn't realized that television, television studios. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I was looking over some of the shows that uh, were piloted and, and picked up. And I was just kind of amazed. And so I'm I'm going to read you, Cameron, the logline and the title. And I want you to guess which studio either picked it up or passed on it. Yeah, basically, which studio decided to jump on it? Okay. And are they picking up or passing or okay. going back to development? Okay. Ugh. So, I'm gonna, I'm, this is just going to be one big... Verbal eye roll, I feel it's like. It's going to be terrible, but, <laughs> okay. it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to try it. And if it's bad, I can just cut it out. Okay. So This is going to be like a spelling bee. I'm going to be like, uh, can I get the characters of origin for this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You, you can okay. ask for one okay. clue and I'll do my best. Okay. okay. The first logline and title. The title is Heart of Life. And the logline is inspired by John Mayer's hit song. <laughs> Which is never a good way to start. <laughs> Heart of Life follows t- 
two sets of adult siblings from wildly different worlds who discover they are related and must reassess everything they thought they knew about their shared father. Which studio and what did they do? Okay, so this seems like a cheap grab to try and do like a This Is Us type situation from another studio. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so since this, since AB, or NBC has This Is Us, I'm going to go, this doesn't seem like a CBS move because it's not something, well, let's just face it. We all know what CBS's demographic is and this isn't it. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with ABC. Okay. And I'm going to say that they picked this up. Ooh, so close, Cam. Ah. It was ABC, but they rolled the pilot. Ooh. So it's 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 they're 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 sending it back to the shop for a little bit more work, but they're still interested. They're okay. like, you know what? We it's on IR basically. Okay, so um, maybe a mid season. Uh, maybe a mid season. Okay. but I just love that. I just love that the Heart first of thing life. of the log line, uh, inspired <laughs> by John Mayer's hit song. That's the uh, thing is like that log line, like that first part is the like most elevator pitch beginning to a uh, log line I've ever heard. Be like, so people love John Mayer, right? He's hysterical. Yeah. He's great on Instagram. He, all these. <laughs> what if we made a TV show based on his song? Which song? Doesn't matter. Oh, Neon, uh, Daughters. Uh, what, else? what other songs do you like from John Mayer? Slow dancing in a burning room? Nope. Nope. That would be a great visuals. But you know what? Heart of Life. Heart of uh, Life. Also, Jake Kasdan is the executive producer. Uh, um, okay. Mo- <laughs> moving on. Uh, okay. So this one is called Triangle. Okay. Like the geometric shape. Triangle. Is it about the and, Bermuda Triangle? Oh, yeah. Oh, of what course if, it is. What if the Bermuda Triangle was not a watery grave in the middle of the ocean? but a land lost in time that has trapped travelers over the course of human history. When a family is shipwrecked in this strange land, they must band together with a group of like-minded inhabitants from throughout history to survive and somehow find a way home. Okay, so are we just talking that this is... Like the big four, are these just Fox, NBC, ABC, and CBS? Or are there... Or CW? Yes. Okay. No, this is, this is big network television. Okay, I'm going to say that this is, um, man, that sounds like CBS. No, I don't, CBS doesn't really do sci-fi. Um, this is NBC and it did not get picked up. Hmm. Wrong on both counts. Yeah. Come on, Cam. This is ABC again. Yeah. And they picked up the pilot. So they like the concept but they're probably going to switch a lot of things around in production. But you know what? Honestly, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I'm kind of down on that. I, I want to see what they're going to do. But here's the thing. If there was a category for not being, like a network not being mensch, every network today would not be mensch. Like there is, That's I was true. trying to think about this the other day. There are, outside of Survivor, which we talk about, there is not a single show that I keep up with on a weekly basis. Oh, no. I mean, and you're the only person that's still watching Survivor. So No, it's... I'm not. There are millions of people. <laughs> Boston Rob and Sandra are coming back next season to be mentors. Season 39. It's going to be great. Don't even don't even fret. I'm, I'm fretting all over the place. All right. Um, fret away. Okay. So this next one isn't. 
Here's the next question. <laughs> this isn't this isn't gonna be this isn't a log line or a title. I want you to guess out of all of the series that CBS considered, picked up, put in production, bought the pilot, everything. How many of those are based on some sort of legal or justice or police thing? Or military? Or military. Basically, um, how, yeah. That's... So wait, can you tell me how many shows they've picked up and then out of that number I can guess? Yes, one second. Okay. Let me count it up. One, okay. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. God damn, CBS spending money. Uh... CBS has 16 shows. <laughs> I'm going to guess 15 of those 16. That's a little high. That's okay. a little high. Uh, it is over half. It so is it's 10. It is, it's nine. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. What are the That's, other seven? Well, here's... Okay. Here you go. Here's an interesting one by CBS. And I, you just have to guess if they picked it up. Okay. It's called... No, first off, I'm going to read you the log line and I want you to guess the name because the name is the funny thing to me. A small New Hampshire town is thrust onto the world stage when the discovery of a valuable resource within its borders compels the residents to declare themselves an independent nation, setting unlikely young mayor Sarah and her cabinet of inexperienced locals on the path of running a brand new country. It's by CBS. They picked up the pilot. What did they call it? They are calling it. Um, millennial mayor? Question mark. <laughs> That's such a good CBS name. And it would all be about how everything is scary and new. Um, no, it's the Republic of Sarah. But like the show could be a tr- Here's the problem with like network television, specifically CBS. They never take it where it needs to go. Like if this was like Veep, if this was like Veep level funny, oh, this would be a great show. I'm totally down for this. But that's the thing is any logline could make a film interesting. I guarantee you, you and me could sit here, brainstorm for five minutes and come up with a handful of interesting loglines. But the second that you were to tell me that one of the big four picked it up, I would be like, I'm out. I have no interest. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Okay, okay let's do a couple more of these. These are pretty interesting. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, one more. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you the logline and the name. Okay. CBS has picked it up, mm. and I want you to guess what source material is it based on. <laughs> okay. Okay. A San Francisco homicide detective is mysteriously brought back to life after being killed in the line of duty. But as he resumes his old life, and he and his wife realize he isn't the same person he used to be, they zero in on the strange man behind his resurrection. Is this Frankenstein? It's based on Frankenstein, because we okay. haven't done that enough. Yeah, yeah. I, Frankenstein, didn't prove that nobody needs to touch this. Aaron yeah. Eckhart's <laughs> career was ended over Frankenstein, people. <laughs> it legitimately was. That, he lived yeah. long enough to see himself become the villain he talked about in The Dark Knight. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Oh, I'm heartbroken. Okay, last one. Okay. Last one. You're gonna guess which studio did yep. they pick it up, and what is it a remake slash spinoff of? And I'm not giving you the title because that gives okay. it away. Okay. This new series 
follows Andy Sipowitz's son, Theo, as he tries to earn his detective shield and work on the 15th <laughs> squad while investigating his father's murder. This is clearly a spinoff of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, no, this no, is kidding. a spinoff I'm kidding. I'm, of no, no, spin-off. I'm, I'm, Okay. Uh, wait, it's a spinoff of a spinoff? No, I'm saying okay. if it was a spinoff of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it would be. Okay. Um, wait, so repeat the logline again. This is It's a guy who... The new series follows Andy Sipowitz's son, Theo, as he tries to earn his detective shield and work on the 15th squad while investigating his father's murder. Okay, first of all, Andy Sipowitz is the greatest detective name of all time in New York. So good. Can you imagine if you were a police detective and you're like, get Sipowitz over here. That's the name that you want to be saying. That's that's New York cop right there. Hey, uh, we got Sipowitz over here. We need him to take a look at this. Yes. Um, okay. Sipowitz. That's, that sounds like CBS. Um, it's ABC. Yeah. It's ABC. And, uh, it's a, what, what are they bringing back cam? They're gonna, it, 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 did it get picked up for pilot or for season oh. long? Oh, of course it got picked up. Okay. This is a Sipowitz. Like the, sh- uh, the heat. Oh no, man. This is NYPD Blue, baby. Oh, we back. goodness. Oh, no. Why? <laughs> now TV's even doing remakes. This is frustrating because there's also a Bad Boys spinoff. And not that, like, I have anything against Bad Boys or spinoffs, but it's just like, like, Lethal Weapon spinoff, this spinoff. It's just the laziest thing. Like, TV is supposed to be a, like, ground for which people can bring their creativity and try things out. And it's just, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Netflix takeover. Disney Plus takeover. Like I'll sign the checks. Just I'm done with network TV. Well, Disney owns ABC. Like they're the one bankrolling all this. Is ABC just their dumping ground though? Because Disney, like, we bash on Disney a lot for their monopolization of the film and TV market, but they're doing a lot of things pretty darn good. So Oh, yeah. What is ABC Uh, though? Is ABC just like the ugly stepson that's like, oh, I'm going to do what I want to get back at dad. <laughs> wow. I don't know what that voice was, but I don't I loved know either. It. I don't um, know why it was me doing the son from Wedding Crashers voice. <laughs> oh, um, man. The artist kid. Yeah. We're not, we're not the target market for TV, you know? So. But we, we should it, be. We're know. people that watch almost anything and everything. How are we not people that would be like. In t- how many okay so here's here's what i would like to know how many tv shows are there on network big four television series right now and how is it that we are not interested in a single one of them i don't know that's well, a I, very I, good okay that's that's a little bit unfair brooklyn 99 is still on nbc and i'll watch that as the seasons come out and but it's like okay that and survivor so two of what there's got to be a hundred plus TV shows. So 2%, 2%. All right. Fun segment. I like that. Um, yeah. Not bad for throwing that together last minute. Yeah. 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 Trevor would be good at this. He's, he's Trevor so would. randomly good at these things. Yeah. Trevor, your brain works in mysterious ways, but we love it. Um, so let's go ahead and get to our review of Booksmart. Once again, missing Trevor high school movies are his thing and we're reviewing a high school movie without him. So, Oh Yeah. But uh, 
let, let's let's get to our general thoughts of this film because I think I think we're going to be on the same page on this. Hopefully so. Absolutely, man. I loved this movie. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. Um, we've been really lucky with a, a string of goodness here recently. We had uh, Holmes and Watson. We had uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We had Avengers Endgame, and we had John Wick Three. I mean, those Jake, two were fan- fantastic. I almost watched Holmes and Watson because of your review. <laughs> Don't do it, Cameron. I'm Don't. so interested. I just Don't do it to yourself. Mm. Okay. Okay. Please, okay. it's we have, it's not yeah, worth yeah. it. Okay. 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 I'm just um, gonna shut up and just sit here. Yeah, but okay. So, I love this movie. Like, it is definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. It's simultaneously like a really familiar film, but it takes all the familiarity of a high school film and puts this awesome fresh spin on it. Olivia Wilde just kills it as her debut as director. Like, I'm so excited to see what she does next, but. Really, this puts Caitlin Deaver and and Beanie Feldstein on the map as future superstars. I could rave about their performances, their characters, the chemistry they had between each other. I loved them. I wanted to be their friends. Like I, this movie just felt like this generation's super bad in every way. Um, or this generation's like just John Cusack '80s film. Like this, I feel like is going to be the new middle school, high school sleepover film for the generations below us because it addresses the world that they live in in such a fun way um i loved it it's it's fantastic yeah super bad funny enough came out when i like a couple months before i turned 17 and sorry mom and dad i think is the one film i ever like snuck into like hmm. I, um, cause Jake, I mean, we, you turned 17 in like November of 2007, your birthday's in November. So yeah, Jake, mm-hmm. it would have been a couple months early for both of us. And I remember sneaking into this and I remember being like, I'm so high school right now, junior year. <laughs> yeah. Nothing can uh. touch me. And what's funny, <laughs> you know, 12 years later, we get a film that in a lot of ways feels like a sibling too super bad, but a sibling ah. that kind of like, Hey, Oh yeah. Well, sibling, sibling in that super bad, you know, Jonah Hill and uh, Beanie Feldstein are actual siblings. Yep. So there we go. But, um, it, it feels like a sibling, but the funny thing is that I think that this film does a lot of things better, not better, because I think that Superbad's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I think that this film, though, goes a lot deeper than absolutely uh, Superbad does. I think that like Superbad speaks to a certain um, point in high school, and I, th- you know, it's it's great, but there's not much about it that like digs super deep beneath the surface, and that's like nothing against that movie. Once again, love it. Still quote it to this day. and think that it's a incredible you know well done movie but i think that this movie hits certain notes that you know you don't always see from high school movies and the funny thing is is that they're earned like nothing that happens in this movie isn't earned or something unexpected and we'll get into it a little bit but there's one scene in particular that like i remember like 
as I was seeing in the theater going, I've never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it blew me away. And that, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, for people that see 50 plus movies a year in theaters, not to mention like whatever we watch at home, that's a rare thing to happen. It's very rare that I'm surprised you're blown or like surprised by anything in a movie. And this movie surprised me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think it really speaks to like the cast, what they do. Um, the script is fantastic. I think it's just also like the th- it it times have changed. You know, mm-hmm. like I think Superbad was very much like a a film for that time, and I think that's why it hit so hard with like our generation because that was honestly that was like the first time I saw kids like actors yes. that actually looked my age speaking and doing things like the way my friends yes. were speaking and doing. And yeah. I think this film does that for the 2019 generation. But also I think it has to do with the fact that like, first off it's uh, brilliantly directed by Olivia Wilde, brilliantly casted with the leads. Their friendship is believable. And also just the fact that it's, it is a female relationship. Yeah. Um, it's very different. Incredible. Yeah, like that that type of relationship is very different than the the brotherly friendship that Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill have, which is a accurate and true friendship, but just because of the dynamics there, like you're not going to get to go into that depth that this friendship allows you to go into and they do it brilliantly. You know, I keep thinking about how this movie plays in 2019 versus how this movie would, would have played, you know, back in 2007. And I don't, I don't think that it plays the same as it would today. I think there's been a lot of things that have happened that make this movie what it is. But I also think that this is a movie that will continue to play well over time. And that's the mark of like a true great high school film is it's a high school film that speaks to kids for generations to come. You know, it's the reason we're still watching breakfast club and Ferris Bueller's day off and things like that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, talk to us 30 plus years later. And that's, 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 that's the real power is when you can speak, not just to one generation, but speak to kids of all generations and kind of give them. And I mean, even deeper than that, speak to people that are way out of high school. Yeah. I definitely see this being a cult classic. At least I hope it becomes one because it did not do super well at the box office this week, which we'll talk about soon. But like, I mean, we can go ahead and get into that because I think that that's a it's it's an interesting thing to bring up about why this movie maybe didn't do as well as people were thinking. Yeah, Um, I don't. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, I don't think it did poorly. What did it do? Eight million this opening weekend? Yeah, but I mean, compared to I think like Easy A and its theatrical run made like 70 million, you know, Um, but I don't think that this can be compared. Like, I, I would look at this. In terms of like, um, like okay, how have Annapurna pictures that have been critically well received done commercially? And I saw a tweet the other day that was like a breakdown of Annapurna pictures recently. And eight million dollars is great for Annapurna movies. Like they're a smaller studio. And then yeah, I did, but they I saw, they put this on wide release though. Do you like think over like twenty five hundred screens? Do you think that's a bad thing? I just think that a film like this. This just feels like a stream with your friends at home kind of movie, you know? Um, I'm surprised they didn't take this directly to Netflix, which they actually did outside of the United States in a lot of countries. Um, And so I think that that kind of messed with some of the marketing. Because, like, I was talking to people about it 
last week and they were like oh yeah isn't like will ferrell in that or directing it and i was like no he's a producer <laughs> and then they were like isn't it gonna be on netflix and i was like no but it's not it's gonna be in theaters you should all go see it um like there wasn't a lot of marketing done for this film i just feel like they set the film up for failure with the amount of screens they put it on without the marketing investment necessary to justify that amount of screens for a film this good, but also this small, you know? I don't, like, in my opinion, well, I get word of mouth, but I also want to bring up a couple of other things. So, some recent, like, more films that are similar to this that I I, I want to show as a box office. So... Um, spectacular now a24 another smaller studio another high school film kind of comedy really mostly drama if you have seen it grossed nearly seven million in its entire box office run the way way back a limited film from fox searchlight smaller studio had a limited uh 500 or you know smaller theater 19 theaters opening weekend at its largest, got to 886. So on Wide Weekend, it opened with 4 million. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Lionsgate Summit, you know, bigger. Uh, wide Opening Weekend, 2 million. So none of these to me theme- seem like things that it's like, you know, things that would make me consider this film a financial loss. Even it, it's hard because, you know, Superbad had. You had been on like they had been on the streak of, you know, Seth Rogen had just been like killing everything. And then it's also produced by Judd Apatow, who at the time was the biggest name. I mean, he had just come off of 40 year old virgin and knocked up. And it's like you put those things together behind a big studio like Sony. And yeah, that's going to create a lot more, you know, attention for a movie. But I don't. I saw that a lot this weekend, people saying that this was a financial bomb. And I just, to me, it it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, did it, I have a feeling it made back its budget. I don't know what its budget was, but I can't imagine that it's that much. I mean, like, would, I mean, okay, so the biggest names in this, Jessica Williams is a pretty big, but she's not in it that much. Jason Sudeikis is married to the director, so I would have a feeling that he would probably do this for pretty cheap. <laughs> Lisa Kudrow, Will Forte are not in it that much. I don't I don't see there being a whole ton of production cost on this. I mean, maybe $10 million? Oh, no. I More than that. You think so? They're, yeah. I mean, you're they're, you're like, the one that would know, so I trust you. I, th- I bet it's at least 25 maybe 30 Okay. Um, just like it's so technically well done, multiple locations, a few, like a lot of night shoots, a lot of really high quality cinematography, all the music licensing. Um, yeah. I also want to say I bet twenty five million. I do think it is a misstep to release this on Memorial Day weekend. Yes. I don't think this is a Memorial Day weekend movie, nor do I think in order to be a successful Memorial Day weekend, you have to like have some sort of big budget spectacle that gets people out of their homes and holiday plans and into the theaters. And I don't think that this is that, but I think that this is a movie that's like if you release this in April 
or in August kills it. Yeah. I, I just think that this could have been like a breakout comedy that could have easily grossed 50 million if they did it right. Yeah. And that, that bums me out. It does. And I, I, cause I think that this movie, I mean, even on a deeper level, I think this movie has a lot to say that is important for high school kids today. And it's frustrating that they kind of push all of that aside or that all of that's going to get pushed aside because it's not seen by as many people as it could be. But maybe this mm-hmm. finds a home on a subscription service and blows up there. You never know. Yeah, definitely. But um, let, let's get to the actual movie itself. Okay. Where does this rank or where, how does this come up against other high school films for you? Like, does this, does this hit all the marks that a high school film needs to hit? It does. I think um, it almost hits too many of the marks in the sense where like, I have so much praise for this movie and I'll, I'll get my one complaint out of the way now just so I continue to can continue to rave about the film. Um, I thought the plot was a little bit predictable and very familiar. Um, Super bad, very much so, but it was done in such a fun and unique way with brilliant performances and direction. And like every technical aspect of this film is just like, perfect the score the soundtrack cinematography the editing it makes it feel so real but also like the the hyper perfect high school experience that you want out of a high school film you know um but like isn't that what high school is to the nervous nerdy high schoolers it's like this other world that you're trying to achieve that's perfect but then you get there and it's a letdown whatever um but (laughs) but yeah i i loved it uh i definitely see this as like up there and maybe top top 10 high school films i'm not the high school film expert on this podcast so we'll have to check with trevor after he sees it but um for me this definitely ticks all the boxes of a good high school movie what about you So good high school movies for me do one of two things, or if they're really good, they do two of two. They either make you nostalgic for that time when you were in high school, or they act as like a therapy through like letting you live vicariously through someone like, you know, in the high school movies where like the bully finally gets put away or something. It's like, (laughs) man, I wish that was me. It feels like it was. Or... (laughs) It like causes in like the therapy side of things, it causes self-revelation of your time in high school and how that's affected you to today. And I think that this movie actually does both. You know, it made me nostalgic for that time in high school when times were good. But then it also like helped me to like think about things that happened in high school and how I responded to them, how I'd respond to them now, how I wish that I was, you know, I wish that I was more like like these people and not such a because I would say that my high school experience I was probably pretty book smarty type not to use the title in a phrase but like nerdy you were Jared like let's be real you were Jared I was Jared actually Jared's pretty accurate (laughs) I would say that I was Jared I I never threw a a party on a boat for myself where I brought everybody iPads not that side bashing but I was the kid that was bash. like, what's up? What's up? What's up? Everybody? How you doing? <laughs> yeah. What's up, girl? I would say that I was a little bit of, uh, of Jared. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Always That's trying to awesome. be hip and trendy, but feeling like still like nobody knew me. I, J- That's pretty accurate, Jake. 
Pretty accurate. <laughs> Pretty accurate. I did wear a backwards cap with my get with my cap on top of it to graduation. Oh, heck yeah, bro. Um, so you know, super Colorado Sabra. Sabra. Sadi. Sabra. Yeah, this is a great <laughs> high school movie though. I'm I'll be curious to see where this sits. Um once once we get out of like this generation of kids, you know, we always talk about like the longevity of movies, but this is one that I'll be curious to see. Like, is this talked about by anybody five years from now? And I hope it is, but I'll be curious. It's, it's like, I think Olivia Wilde does a really good job of writing that line of like current and in the moment, but also like a lot of things that make it timeless, you know, like, I think that she did a really, really good job of, of making choices to like lean into the, social media technology technological world that we're in currently and like chasing fame and everything but also like the plot itself the characters themselves are big enough to where that's it's it's not like we're stuck into this one moment in time right um do you other than the plot i mean is there anything else that you had an issue with no, I mean, I honestly, dude, I had no clue what to think going into this movie, um, except that the reviews were solid. And so I had high expectations. Um, and when it started, I was like, okay, this is interesting. But then that opening scene of when Amy picks up Ollie and like they get out <laughs> of the car and just like dance at each other. And then there's no music. Like I was, I was so in, it's like the summary of the film, the summary of their relationship. Yeah. I knew we were in for something special with these characters Deaver and Feldstein, I mean, how similar these two behave while also being so different on the inside is really what sold this movie to me. Um, I I think that they might be two of the best young actresses in Hollywood working right now. And like I was very impressed with their performances. Their performances sold these characters in such a raw and realistic way that I found myself like just so engrossed in every moment that they were that they were on screen and everything that this film was trying to say. Um, like the writing is so well done by the, by the all female writing staff, which is awesome. Um, and the devotion to the characters is really what sent it over the edge for me. Like I, th- this is their movie hands down. Like there's a lot of fun here. It's Olivia's Olivia Wilde's debut, but this is Deaver and Feldstein's movie. They, they both kill it. And I, I, I think it would be easy to say like, well, they're just being themselves, but I don't think that people realize how hard, even if this is very similar to themselves to be on screen. And it's movies like this, where they make it look easy that make you take it for granted, how hard it actually is to create Mm -hmm. that chemistry, to find people that feel natural in those roles, whether that's similar to them or not. And we can go ahead and get like, I'm going to spoil something towards the end of this movie because it's my favorite part of the movie. And it's the movie that, you know, surprised me so often in movies where there are like two best friends or a group of best friends, they get into a fight at the end just to create conflict, but it doesn't ever feel like something that either of them would do or like it does like the reason why they fight doesn't make sense. And it's all these things where it's like that, that doesn't work. Like you're just getting in a fight to create conflict so that they can come back together. And that, that always frustrates me. It's always a very annoying thing to see in a movie. This movie though, when the fight at the end, like in the, towards the climax of the movie actually happened, it felt 100% earned 100% 
in the characters for the moment that they were in for what was happening for both what for what both of them were wanting in that moment and the way that they went about it in just like one single shot and just them yelling at each other with the camera just kind of sliding back and forth between their two perspectives was incredible yeah and like the music building and like the crowd like their reactions is building oh man it was so well done. At what point did you re- like kind of catch in that the crowd was like, it took me a little bit because I was so on them before I realized that the crowd was stopping what they were doing. Uh, within a few seconds, like I could just kind of start to see people turning in the background. And then the moment a cell phone turned on with the, the lens The cell flare. phone was what got it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Such a, such a great scene that like you said, Cameron is, so earned and like so authentic to the characters and authentic to the plot and feels very real in that situation. Um, yeah, my, that, that scene is easily one of the best of the year so far, but neither of them say anything or do anything. That's like, that's a friendship ender. It's just like a fight with a lot of truth that people that were real friends would understand is like one somewhat truthful and probably needs to be heard but two at the same time like no friend would ever let something like that where someone's being truthful and is scared hurt frustrated and taking things out in a in a way like that would ever be like hey that's a friendship ender like i get it you're going through something in that moment and i think Mm -hmm. that's like neither of them say anything that's like they don't mean or is uh is hurtful to the other person just to be hurtful or spiteful. It's like, here's what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. Here's why you're frustrating me. Here's what this always happens. And that's, that's, that's a fun thing to just watch. Not fun, but it's, it's a, we like thinking back on it of like how that naturally just happened is a like, what? Wow. Job well done. You guys both like killed that. Yeah. I mean, uh, so good. And I love that they didn't, like afterwards there wasn't like a makeup scene like a right. oh we have to sit down and have like an exposition dump of like i'm sorry you're sorry i love you forever it's okay it was that's just like that's the real friend no moment. they just yeah like them just like her coming to Baylor out of jail and like them laughing and being okay like that is that's their friendship and that those are their characters doing exactly. anything else would be inauthentic yep um, okay, so one of the things with high school movies is I, I feel like there has to be something that we get out of the movie. Not we is like me, me person, give me meaning. Like, <laughs> but like, what is this movie trying to say about the high school experience? Because I think that it's trying to get to something a lot deeper than just like, don't be a nerd and read books and not have fun. I think that would, if the movie was just like, Hey, you wasted your high school experience doing this. I think the, the movie wouldn't land. But what, like, what but deeper than that is the movie trying to say? Yeah, um, this movie really connected with me because I feel like I had, like, I went to this high school. I feel like um, I was very fortunate to go to a really nice, like, private college prep school, and because of that, there was obviously like a lot of well-to-do families that through big parties and a lot of people had a lot of fun and also went to really good colleges. Um, and so I thought that the message for me was like, don't 
don't be one dimensional and don't look at people as one dimension, you know, like you can't just be one thing and be like a, a good person. Like it, you have to do multiple things uh, to develop your personality and also have to understand that like, just because someone acts goofy or whatever, doesn't mean that they're not really smart or don't have a future. Um, it's, it's the experiences that make you who you are, not the grades, I guess is one thing it's trying to say. And then also just like, uh, I think this does a really good job of addressing that like end of high school friendship experience where, you know, I had a lot of like really, really, really good high school friends where like after we graduated, every time we were back in, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Every time we were back in St. Louis, it was like, we have to see each other all the time. And this was freshman year of college. And then sophomore year, it's like, you see each other less, but nothing's changed and less and less than like now it's been 10 years since high school and I'm married and people live all over the country. And like, we don't really ever see each other but when we do nothing's ever changed, you know? So, um, I think that's kind of, this film is like addressing the beginning of that, that relationship change, um, in a way that I think most high school movies don't really ever address. Yeah. And especially, you know, of all years on our, t- the 10 year anniversary of when we both graduated from high school. But yeah, I think this movie Obviously, you know, we hit on it has a lot to say about high school, but I think one of the things this movie hits on that I lo- always love is to not judge people. Well, first of all, don't judge people whatsoever. That's not your thing to do. But second of all, like don't judge people based on like hearsay or rumors or a stereotype that you think they are. Like there's that scene in the bathroom that's heartbreaking, but it's also like, she's like, where are you guys going? Community college, like not getting a job. And one dude's going to Stanford. The other girl's going to Yale and the other guy's like skipping college. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well there's, there's the mess up. And he's like, Oh no, I got a six figure job at Google coding. And you're like, (laughs) Oh, and it's like, people can be successful and still have a good time in high school. Like I think that there's so much more to life than just being a, studious person and burying your nose in a book and if that's what makes you happy though like go for it but it i think that we as people need to be okay with students doing more than just like studying like your time in high school should be to be a kid and i wish that that was something that like somebody told me back then was that like enjoy this time when you can just be a kid and not have a worry in the world like you don't have a Like I had a job through parts of high school, but it's like, it's not a nine to five job or it's not like, even though I love my job, but it's like, you don't have a care in the world when you're in high school. Like my biggest worry in high school was if a girl liked me or not. Hmm. Remember when days were that simple? Yeah. And it's like, if I could go back and tell myself, like smack myself in the face and be like, dude, that's not an issue at all. Like, I would, and I gladly would, and I just, I wish that somebody was able to, it's the whole Andy Bernard thing, where he's like, I wish somebody could tell you back when you were in the good old days, when you were actually in the good old days. I don't know why I said it with a southern accent. Andy Bernard's from Cornell. (laughs) But, I mean, it's, it's that whole thing, and I think for me, my high school experience was okay, but my college experience was what I loved so much, and this movie for me was very reminiscent of that college time, when it was like, I loved that time. I'm very fond of that time. Obviously, I still keep in touch with people considering I have a podcast with two people from that time. And so for me, it's like, I, 
it made me nostalgic for that time of like, oh, we should get everybody back together. Mm-hmm. It was so simple when we could just sit outside on a porch until 2 a.m. and play, you know, croquet in the front yard. Yeah, we we had croquet set. Don't worry about it, everybody. Um, but yeah, man, I this film makes you want to go back to those times, and that's that's what high school movies are supposed to do. Yeah, let's let's land this plane. Final thoughts and ratings. Um, I mean, I just really want to quickly touch on just like how technically perfect this film is. Um, the cinematography, I loved the use of colored lights throughout the film. Um, a lot of great use of like color theory to help kind of have you have the mood of what's going on. Awesome use of the anamorphic lenses. Um, it, it wasn't just like an aesthetic choice that helped with the perspective, um, made for some really cool flares and also made those like daydream dance sequences and stuff like feel kind of a part of the world, but also different. Like that stuff was awesome. So well done. Um, the score and soundtrack. Oh my gosh. Every time a song came on, I was like, yes, Olivia Wilde, you have such good taste in music. We should be friends. This is awesome. Um, yeah, perfect, perfect choices from that. Also the, the original score is really good. I would recommend it. Um, the stop motion scene randomly always love a good stop motion (laughs) scene. Um, that was very that, like community esque to me, and I yes, love that. I I loved that. That was that was hilarious. Um, also, just a great job on the editing. Like there was a lot of moments where uh, you can see the actor like breaking in reaction to what they're saying, but it like adds to the character in a way and makes the makes it feel real because people are being so like so realistically ridiculous and it requires a realistic reaction that was a lot of r's but like when molly slaps the panda out of will forte's hand (laughs) they they could have which was hilarious they could have easily have just like cut away but they hold for like two seconds and molly like like kind of laughs at will forte but that's what like an awkward high schooler would do like they would laugh in that moment so stuff like that where it's just like just the perfect decision. Every everything was technically perfectly done, um, and it's also a great script, great performances, all that stuff. Raving about this film, I I loved it. Go see it. Tell ev- tell everyone you know to go see this movie, um, because we need more movies like this. This is I need to see it again before I give it an A plus. But this is definitely an A, maybe an A plus. I love this movie. Yeah, A for me too. Job well done to the whole cast. Um the stars everybody uh jessica williams lisa kudrow will forte jason sudeikis all the old oh gosh the scene where jason sudeikis is their uber driver (laughs) is incredible and then the scene where they try to rob that guy with like bane masks made out of hair and then it turns out that he's actually like a kidnapper (laughs) and killer oh there's little moments in this film that make me very very happy and uh Yeah, so job well done. All right, let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week? Yeah, I'm going to recommend the Booksmart score and soundtrack. Um, The original score is super good. It's by, what is it? It's by Dan the Automator, who is like a a DJ, um, like an actual DJ, like a waka waka kind of DJ. And it's like this really cool like instrumental beat stuff, but also like samples from the film. Um, really interesting. 
and then there's there's like playlists of the uh, soundtrack on Spotify and Apple Music, and I've been jamming to those uh, since seeing this film. Would highly recommend it. Those are great. And then also, uh, if you're looking for like a new, like kind of synthy instrumental, like focus, get stuff done, kind of like the song from Social Network, In Motion. So if you're looking for more songs like In Motion to listen to and get work done to, the entire soundtrack for the documentary Apollo 11 is phenomenal. I haven't seen it. I've only been listening to the soundtrack, but if the film is nearly as good as the soundtrack, it should probably win Best Documentary of the Year. Um, So, so good. So yeah, uh, a lot of music. Check those out. Awesome. Um, I'm going to go very niche with my recommendation if you like golf and you like the oh. office oh there is um there's a guy named eric andersling and he has a podcast he's also like a great person if you're into golf to follow on instagram and uh he just played a round of golf with brian bumgarner who is oh. kevin from the office he's a big golfer yes. And they recorded a podcast together. And so Kevin talks a lot about, or not Kevin. Wow. That's one of the things he talks about hating is people <laughs> calling him Kevin. Uh, Brian talks a lot about his experience on The Office as well as uh, just playing golf. So if you're interested in either of those things or both, like me, that's an interesting listen. That's all I have for my content of the week right now because I've been on the road a lot and have just been listening to podcasts and books. I can yeah, also say that, was, that like... That was niche, but I liked it. It was niche. I'll go, I go niche. I go niche. Um, the other thing I've been listening to is the Alexander Hamilton biography because I went to go see Hamilton and I'm now doing the thing that all Hamilton people do, which is listen to the biography um, <laughs> in case I couldn't get more dad. So Yeah, you're full on dad. I'm full on dad. Uh, and I will. That's the greatest compliment I could ever receive. So I'll take it. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's all we have for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a new episode, new review. We'll be reviewing something new. Who knows what it is. I have a feeling it'll be Godzilla or Rocket Man, just depending on uh, how much we want our brains to work while we're at the theater. So take from that what you will. If you've enjoyed listening to us, then please go to iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review us. We're on both. And we would love uh, for you to share this with your friends and family if you're interested in this. Or if you just like movies and uh, like a place to feel like you're part of the conversation, this is the place to do it. We uh, we love talking movies, and I hope that's evident just by listening to the podcast. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com. If you want to interact with us, the best place to do that would be on Twitter at popcornoptional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me on Twitter at 321 Time. Or on Letterboxd, the movie social media app at C. Slanina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram. And I believe I am jake underscore brown on Letterboxd. Because you can't have periods in your name. What the heck? Letterboxd. I got a brand, I got a brand to work on over here. I got brands. Brand on Come brand on, on brand. Uh, Trevor, you can find on all social media platforms at Turbo Trevor. So, in the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Goodbye.